This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokertov, good morning. How are you doing? Bokertov, um, the first thing I wanted to talk about, a few listeners have contacted us about an article that they saw in the newspaper where police have actually called upon licensed gun owners in Israel to bring their weapons to shul over the holiday period in order to have them available in the event that there might be any sign of trouble. And some people have, have felt a little concerned about this, um, the carrying of guns and weapons and encouraging people to uh, go about their civilian lives carrying their weapons. Um, people who have visited Israel may notice that there are civilians who carry weapons as a matter of course all the time. Um, one, of course, they need to be licensed, and there are very stringent rules about how you should go about carrying a weapon. It needs to be visible when you carry it in a certain way. So there are stringent rules um, about how weapons should be carried. And it's not unusual to turn up mm. in a shul or in a public place and see people with weapons on them, um, something which might be a little strange in other parts of the world. But in Israel, it's not uncommon. Um, and I think that the police in the days leading up to Rosh Hashanah in particular were concerned about certain security events. They had apparently a heightened number of warnings that uh, that they were concerned about in the days leading up to Rosh Hashanah. With the benefit of hindsight, we're happy to report that basically things were safe and that whatever uh, provisions were put in place uh, seemed to work well. But if police know that people are carrying weapons, and let's be honest, there have been so many situations, terror attacks in Israel, which have been um, somehow dealt with by civilians on the scene who know what to do, who are trained because they've been through the army and who carry a weapon um, even in their civilian lives. Those kind of situations are, are really a very big help to the security services. People can take care of things without the need to unnecessarily burden the security services. So by the police knowing that there are armed people, first of all, I think it's something of um, a deterrent for someone who thinks about carrying out an attack and mm, can see that mm. people are armed in the area. But second of all, those people who have licenses really know how to use their weapons and really know what to do. And that could potentially be of assistance to the police. So it didn't come as a surprise to me to see the police were encouraging those people with arms licenses to actually carry their weapons. Um, and I know that it comes as a little bit of a strange thing to people who are not used to seeing civilians carrying weapons around. But unfortunately, in our situation where we are at the moment, it's more of a help than a hindrance. Absolutely right. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about some of the news. Prime Minister Netanyahu yesterday met with President Joe Biden in New York. I was looking at their body language. I mentioned it to listeners earlier. Uh, Netanyahu very open, very willing, and eager to have a constructive conversation in terms of his body language. Biden absolutely closed off. Very uh, appeared to me to be quite 
quite resentful uh, about the meeting not wanting to engage uh, quite negative closed and and to to some extent arrogant he then you know as as the meeting moved on and i'm only i'm not even talking about content just body language warmed up a little bit but uh, so that's my observation just analyzing the body language quite concerning to start what was the uh, what what info have we received around this meeting I think, yeah i think your assessment of the situation when you're looking at the body language how it is probably exactly as it went we know that president biden was reluctant to meet with the prime minister at all and the fact that he was sort of forced into a corner, as it were, and then agreed reluctantly to meet with him in New York and not in Washington, um, uh, was really reflected in the body language that you described. But the meeting did open up a little bit as things went on. And of course, the headline, the headline is that the president did, in fact, invite the prime minister to visit Washington and to visit the White House before the end of the year which is exactly what Prime Minister Netanyahu was hoping to hear. Um, maybe Biden had been forced into a corner, being forced to do this in order just to promote the U.S. Uh, interests. But nonetheless, that invitation was issued. The date hasn't been issued, hasn't been set yet, but certainly it will be before the end of the year. And so I think that the Prime Minister has mm. come away with the thing that he really wanted. There were some other things in between, and I think that, um, President Biden made some very interesting comments, which I'd like to quote just two of them at the moment. The first one was that he said, even where we have some differences, my commitment to Israel, you know, is ironclad. That's what President Biden said to Netanyahu. And I think he really means that. I do I think, think so. And says, I think it's an important message. I think that where he says, even where we have some differences, mm. he means... We don't like each other, even though we've known each other for 40 years and we've never really been friendly. And I want you to know with my closed body language and with my uh, understatement that we don't like each other. Mm, but mm. Um, I do have a certain respect for Israel as opposed to you personally. Mm. Um, and then he went on to say something which I found very fascinating. And I'd love to know what listeners think about this. He said, I think that without Israel, there's not a Jew in the world who is secure. Wow. Israel wow. is essential. Those are the words of President Biden from the meeting yesterday about the state of Jewry around the world with and without Israel. I happen to agree with his statement. I think that Israel is essential for the safety and security of Jews around the world. What do you guys think about the president's statement and whether that's um, something which is relevant? That's, I'm just opening that mm, up. I'm sure mm. people will have their say. But in the meantime, I'd like to just continue with some of the Absolutely. other gender items that were discussed. Yeah. I think that Saudi Arabia is an important item that was on the agenda. And by the way, it's interesting that most of the meeting was conducted under four eyes. So there weren't other people around entourages and everything. There was quite a significant time, um, even almost an hour, where the two leaders just sat one with each other and without any um, of the aides around them um, to discuss various things. I think Saudi Arabia was a critical issue for discussion, not only because it's important for Israel, but I think that Saudi Arabia is potentially... <clears throat> Um, some sort of a um, foreign policy matter that could help President Biden moving forward if somehow 
the Saudi Arabia deal is done and there is normalization of ties between Israel and Saudi Arabia, I think that the president will claim that as a significant foreign policy victory as he goes into his re-election campaign. And I think we need to just bear that in mind as mm. well. Mm. Obviously, the matter of the Palestinians was under discussion. And as we would expect, the president reiterated the importance of a two-state solution and not doing anything which might potentially harm a two-state solution coming into, into play um, at some point in the near future. There was also discussion about democracy in Israel, quite interestingly. Um, and apparently that's what the president started the meeting with. And he said uh, the, he kind of alluded to the democratic discussions that have going, been going on in Israel by saying, today we're going to discuss some of the hard issues that is upholding democratic values that lie at the heart of our partnership. So without trying to be critical of Israel's discussion on democracy and some of the issues that we've been facing over the last few months, he, he was forced to raise it in that kind of uh, indirect manner mm. in order mm. just to call things out about what's been happening in Israel. Um, and uh, so uh, there, have, there were obviously uh, a number of uh, interesting points, including Iran. We shouldn't have, uh, forget that Iran was on the agenda as well. And this was going on in parallel with the meeting of the anti-Zionist Haredi groups who are meeting with the Iranian president, Raisi, um, somewhere else in New York almost at the same time. Um, and so um, quite an interesting day in general in New York. And I think that Prime Minister Netanyahu will come away from yesterday's meeting with the headline of being invited to Washington at some point between now and the end of the year but also with the opening up of the conversation, because I think you're right in saying that the first few lines were very tough indeed. And then as the time progressed, things kind of opened up a little bit. Mm. The Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia has said that normalization of ties with Israel are moving closer. And it was amazing to see um, Turkey, Erdogan, saying something similar, where you see headlines of like this, and then Tur and Turkey's Erdogan saying he wants to, he's looking forward to visiting Israel. It's just an incredible thing to see, really heartwarming. <laughs> It really is, and of course here we have the Saudi Crown Prince uh, Mohammed bin Salman, um, who effectively is the king of Saudi Arabia because his father, the king, is incapacitated. And so he, as the Crown Prince, effectively is the ruler and is definitely calling the shots in Saudi Arabia. And he was interviewed on a fox uh, in the U.S., and he was quoted as saying, every day we get closer. And I think that that is the very first time that the Crown Prince has made a public acknowledgement of the fact that things are moving closer. We've seen a lot of activity. We've seen overfly rights being granted to Israeli planes. And we've seen mm. um, the fact that Israeli delegations have been allowed to attend events in Saudi Arabia. And we've seen a plane full of Israelis being well treated when the plane was unexpectedly forced to land in Saudi Arabia. So we've seen a lot of evidence on the ground of things moving nearer to each other, but we haven't seen the crown prince actually stand up and utter those words. And I think that that is a very important moment where not only, you know, across town in New York is the president meeting with the prime minister and, and talking about um, things moving closer with Saudi Arabia, but the crown prince himself now is saying things are moving closer. And um, I think that this is becoming more and more real. The issue of the Palestinians and how that particular 
a square is going to be, uh, the, the corners are going to be rounded. Um, it remains to be seen because we know that in the past, the Crown Princess says until we have said, until we have a, a solution to the Palestinian issue, we can't normalize ties with Israel. But he seems to be moving slightly away from that position and really moving closer and closer to the possibility of um, ties with Israel. And let's be honest, it's in the best interests of all parties concerned. Hmm. It's in the best interests of Saudi Arabia. It's in the best interests of Israel. It's in the best interests of the United States and the various individuals concerned. There is some common, na- common ground here where it really serves purposes that would be helpful to all of the parties concerned. It just makes it does indeed. Uh, it is seven fifty-eight. We don't have a lot of time, but I wanted to ask you about Yom Kippur in Israel. Sunday night, of course, is Yom Kippur around the world. Uh, what does Yom Kippur look like in Israel? Well, traditionally, Yom Kippur in Israel has been the one day in the year when even people who have absolutely zero exposure to religion or zero interest in getting involved in the religion in any way, that is the moment when all of those walls come down and people fast and people try to find a shul service. And in fact, it's very common for local municipalities to put on a shul service for people who are unaffiliated to any shul. They will find a school hall or a number of school halls and they will arrange people to uh, shepherd the service and they will explain various aspects of the service to people who are very, very unfamiliar with the liturgy and with what goes on and what Yom Kippur is all about. And those services are surprisingly well attended. People have absolutely no exposure to religion and no desire uh, on every other day of the year to be exposed to religion will come together on Yom Kippur and fast and try to attend a shul service. And I just wonder whether what's been going on in Israel and in particular the way in which the religious groups, the political groups are being perceived might have an impact on uh, the way in which Yom Kippur is conducted. Of course, Yom Kippur in Israel is a day when there will be no cars in the streets. Everybody respects that. They don't drive their cars. The streets become pedestrianized because people are walking in the streets, lots and lots of kids on their bicycles and scooters and things like that. So it's going to be interesting to see what Yom Kippur will look like this year. And I'd just like to, with your permission, how just take a moment. I know we're running out of time. No problem. Just a little bit, a few words of Hakarata Tov, a recognition of a great job that the morning team do to uh, to present uh, views to the listeners out there. You, Howard, Mukundi, Harry, the green room host for the most, and I spend a lot of time with Harry in the morning before I come on air, does a great <laughs> job, is a great advert for the station and for the morning show. Senna, Kathy and the team at the back really do a great job, and I'd like to thank all of you guys for the great job and to apologize for any offense that I might have committed during the course of our interactions, which are numerous, and you guys are so patient and, and very understanding. So I hope that you will be able to forgive me, and of course the listeners out there. I know that I have offended you guys along the way because you have told me so, <laughs> and I, ex- and I yes. accept what you've said to me. Things have been tough this year. We've had a really tough year with lots and lots of controversial things to discuss. I very much appreciate all of the patience that you have shown towards me. I apologize for any offenses which have inadvertently been committed along the way. And let's hope that on Tuesday when we're back 
in the new year after Yom Kippur that we can start afresh in the new and talk about uh, the new news and hopefully it will all be good things and not too controversial. Anthony Reich, thank you as always and of course so thank you for your incredible, incredible reporting, your honest view and uh, and dealing with the, the, <laughs> the pushback, the criticism, the support, all of it. It all is a whole big picture that uh, I guess we wouldn't have any other way. Wishing you a Shana Tova and of course a Gemar Khatima Tova. It is 801. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebluagency.com. Dot com.